It is the second of 12 portions in the book of Genesis that we'll be looking at. Um, it's interesting that Noah is, um, his name means comfort or rest, and his father put it best. I'm just going to read what his father said about him. If you want to follow along, this is Genesis 5:29, And his father was Lamech, who said, of whom he called Noah, for he said, this one will comfort us in our labor, in the hard work we do with our hands to get what comes from the ground that Adonai cursed. So this portion is Noah's story and his generations after him which followed. And this it covers from Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 all the way to Genesis chapter 11 verse 32. Noah had this testimony in which he was called righteous someone who was wholehearted, and that he walked with God. That's Genesis 6, 9. And in this portion, we see how Noah did those things. We see how he was righteous. Not only is he called righteous here in 6, 9, but it's repeated again in chapter 7, verse 1, where Noah is called righteous. And in 2 Peter, in the New Testament, in chapter 2, verse 5, for Adonai did not spare the ancient world. On the contrary, he, he preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, <clears throat> with seven others and brought, and brought the flood upon the world, a world of ungodly people. And we look at today's generation and we think, this isn't much different. We have very ungodly people, but at the same time, we see that God, we realize that God waits, waits a long time before he pours out his judgment, because that's how much mercy he wants to show. Noah was wholehearted, and twice in the portion, in Genesis 6.22, concerning the building of the ark, and in Genesis chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Noah obeyed the Lord, and did all that the Lord had commanded. What a great testimony. It's just a simple thing, the idea of obedience, that that's what marks Noah. And Yeshua says this of the people of Noah's day. He says this, and this is in Luke 17, verse 26, in which he says, the days are similar in which we see, and he says, Also, at the time of the Son of Man, it will be just as it was at the time of Noah. People ate and drank, and men and women married, right up until the day Noah entered the ark. And so it's not that God was, um, and, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. And it's not that God is against us eating and drinking or getting married, because he knows our need for both sustenance and our need also for, the, for companionship. God really understands that about us, but he's saying that's not to be our focus. Our focus is to be on him and what he wants to do in our life. In Genesis 6-5, part of understanding this generation is it says that the imagination of the heart 
were only evil. That's some really strong stuff to say about people, that the only thing they could imagine in their heart was evil thoughts. That's Genesis 6-5. So the portion I chose today is just three verses, but I think they have some very strong content here. Um, This is chapter 8, verses 20 through 22, and you have this in your bulletin, both in the English and in the the Hebrew. Um, But it says, Noah built an altar unto the Lord. Now, this is the very first instance where we have an altar being set up, being built to the Lord. And this is after Noah's been taken through the flood and he's come to rest on Mount Ararat. And it says that Noah took one of every clean animal and offered them, and every clean bird, and offered them to the Lord. Can you, I mean, I can't imagine what that looks like. Because we always get the picture of two by two going into the ark. But the fact is, there was actually seven pairs of clean animals. Seven pairs. And so, that you know, that would mean seven cows, seven sheep, seven bulls, seven oxen, so on and so forth. And every single one of those animals, both clean, clean birds and clean animals, were given to the Lord. So that would have been a lot of sacrificing that Noah did here. And depending on what you believe what the rabbis say, because the rabbis talked about Noah walked with God. And it's an interesting uh, play because... They compare that later on in next week's portion where it says Abram walked before God, but Noah walked with God. And the picture is when you're teaching someone how to walk, you put your hands out in front of them and you raise their arms so they're up like this and they take those steps while you're holding them. And that's the picture with Noah because Noah was in a very tough generation in which he had to hold on to God and walk. Whereas Abraham was able to walk before him like a child walks ahead of their parent at times. And so in verse 21, we see that God is really moved. And this is the first time we have that idea of the sweet-smelling savor before the Lord. And God makes a vow that he's never again going to curse the whole earth. Now, you guys, you might look at me and say, well, you know, it's not that hard to see the curses today. And, you know, did God not keep his promise? The fact is, God is saying here, he's not going to curse everybody for one person's mess-ups. One people, one group might have a few mess-ups, but that doesn't mean God's going to wipe out the entire earth again, like he did during Noah's time. And finally, God makes this interesting statement of saying, as long as the earth exists, I will cause everything, all the different seasons, to exist, both cold and heat, winter, summer, springtime, harvest, all these different things. And I thought that was really interesting point of what God says. And I, I think, do, do the seasons not teach us? Aren't the seasons supposed to teach us that God is in control and that God loves his people? I mean, think if all we had was winter or all we had was harvest. We would not appreciate the spring. We would not appreciate the summer. But God does great work in all of us in all those times. In summer, we know what it is to be thirsty. In winter, we know what it is to be cold, you know. And some of us don't like those things. But God works his will through us through these different times of the year. You know, I don't like kicking leaves and tripping over branches 
that are all over my way, but that's part of fall. That's part of the, the cycle of fall and the wonderful smells that we all can't stand, those that have, us, that have allergies that we get in the spring. And God does things in the midst of all these seasons so that we'll be a thankful people. Noah was a thankful person. That's why every single animal, and I don't know if you, you know, the rabbis say maybe it was just domesticated animals that, that's being referred to here as clean animals, but maybe it was all the clean animals. Can you imagine all the clean animals that would have been sacrificed? And it's all done in the spirit of thanksgiving because Noah said, God, you took me through this time in which I had to build an ark for 100 years and I was in the same place for over six months that you protected me while I was on the water and you protected all these animals. Isn't our God awesome and good? He's a great and awesome God that he loves us and that he provides for us. How can we not want to thank him? How can we not be filled with that thanksgiving and praise? Father, we thank you for all you do. You are our protector. You are our provider. You are our healer and our redeemer, and you love us. And I pray, Lord, for anyone today that, that doesn't know these simple truths about your word, that your word would be established fully in their heart, and they would understand how good you are to all of mankind. Thank you for your goodness that we see. Thank you even for the times we take it for granted. Help us to see beyond ourselves and to truly embrace a heart and a life of thanksgiving. We give you all glory and thanks in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen.